What's up, everybody, and welcome back to the Ghost Cold Magazine podcast. I'm your host, Keefe. Today's podcast is an interview with Dan Oliver of Nothing More. Check it out. Dan, how's it going? I'm great. I'm great. How are you doing? I'm terrific. Thanks so much for your time. I appreciate it, man. Uh, you got as as we talked offline. You guys are on the road right now on a major tour. It seems like you're all on tour forever. But uh, this summer you're on tour with Five Finger Death Punch, Breaking Benjamin. You got some dates with Bad Wolves. Uh, your label mates there on uh, Eleven Seven Records. Uh, how's your summer going with all this touring? Um, you know, this summer's been awesome. Um, this tour's been a lot of fun. You know, it, uh, this is our first amphitheater tour where every night we're outside. Uh, usually we're playing in front of, I don't know, 20,000 people show up. Maybe probably playing in front of like 16 to 18,000. So all the, all the shows have been insanely well attended. Most of them have sold out. Um, and yeah, we're, we're having a blast. You know, everyone's getting along backstage. That's always a big deal. There's a lot of people on this tour. Um, and it really is kind of a collective energy that I feel like the crowd is up seeing every night. Um, and when everybody's getting along to this level, um, everything's just great. You know, the crews are all helping each other out. Uh, the bands are all helping each other out. Um, it, it's like having a gigantic family, I think. Like a big reunion every day is catering. Um, or it's like high school. I don't know. I can't decide which, <laughs> which of the two it is. But, uh, I don't know. We're, we're having a good time. Great, man. Kind of. I guess it would depend if you were cool or not in high school, or or considered cool, right? <laughs> exactly, exactly. I was only cool halfway through high school. It took it took until I literally started playing music before uh, I kind of I kind of switched from just being a, a kind of an overweight kid that no one really liked to to finally get to kind of hang out with some more social people, but. Puberty did it. I'm, I'm not sure. I'm, I'm a pretty shy guy. Oh, so. well, I'm glad you didn't stay shy forever, man, because the world, uh, you know, appreciates you and needs your music. So I'm glad it worked out. Well, um, and, you know, yeah, yeah. speaking of the bands and sort of the, the live vibe and the concerts being, you know, hugely attended and going great, you know, I, I'm really a fan of you guys. Uh, I like your music, but I especially love to see you live. I feel like you're one of the best live bands out right now. And um, you guys just seem to bring it like every show. And it's not just the visual thing. I think just the performances of the tracks individually and as a group. Um, you guys put a lot of uh, sort of effort into touring sort of like pre-pro and practice before you hit the road or are you just so busy all the time at this level that you don't have time? Um, we, we do put a lot into it. Um, I mean, you know, every... It, there's, there's kind of a ton of effort on the front end um, and then as time goes on we can... We're able to be a little bit more fluid with that but in order to prepare um, just in songs alone to get everything to sound as close to the record as it can be, but it's still live and, you know, performs with one guitar, one bass, drums, and the vocals. Uh, it, it does take a lot of preparation. I would say weeks before we even, um, <clears throat> before we even get together and start uh, really playing the songs together. It's just a lot of tone work, a lot of deciding who's singing what harmony, um, and then practicing it. And, uh, yeah, yeah, and there's all the extra stuff, like the Scorpion Tail performance, Anything that isn't on the album, um, a lot of those items do take a lot of rehearsal, a lot of just kind of trial and error. It's like it's like writing a whole other song, if you will. Um, 
Exactly, and it also makes the uh, live experience for the fans more interactive, and it makes fans feel like they're part of the show, uh, especially with you guys, as you mentioned, with the Scorpion Tail. Uh, and I know there's an interesting backstory to that. Uh, I mean, I, uh, the first time I ever saw you guys, I was like, what am I seeing? This is insane on some Mad Max shit. Um, but really, you know, what, what a creative and inventive thing. And obviously, Johnny, you know, went with it and made it it's almost his own thing also as much as it's all of you. Um, do you want to give us a little background on how the Scorpion Tale came to be? And, you know, maybe what are you going to do more of these things in the future where someday we'll see all of you guys doing your own crazy kiss style thing? <laughs> Platforms and machines. Yeah, yeah. Um, the score, the idea behind it started uh, probably five years ago. Johnny came to the rehearsal room um, with this little piece of gear. Uh, it looked like a PlayStation remote, pretty much. Um, but using it was a wireless MIDI controller that had buttons on it, and you could you could turn it in the air and it held on. Really don't like the 
ACL. So once I'm done, after the fighting's done, I'm done working on my parts, I get to split off and go in the garage and build all of the, the stage stuff that you see. Um, while the other three guys are editing and, um, you know, working out all what just the deep double harmony work and um, stuff like that. So that's kind of how the last recording process worked as we wrote the record. You know, once production got underway, literally every day, we'd all meet at the band house and, you know, John and Ben would work on studio stuff. Um, and I would break off and try to finish this grandiose Scorpion Tail idea. Um, so that's kind of that's how that started. Yeah, I, I do hope. I've, I've planned for another, maybe even your machine the Scorpion Tail. Um, you know, right now it's just kind of in a sketch phase. Uh, it, it's really, I used to go on the road in like a little mobile workshop. Um, but there's not really enough space or time to get into anything successfully outside of maintenance and things like that. But um, yeah, that's kind of it. And I, but really, I'm not a professional welder. I really got into it to build this on stage. And that's it. I fell in love with it. Right on. And it seems like it's not just, uh, you know, sort of it's art, but it's also musical and uh, seems almost like it adds like an element of improv to the live shows right because it's could be you know uh, it doesn't have to be the same thing every time it can change change the song change the performance you know Sometimes it goes wrong, and you know people get to see watch computer like shred through our <laughs> what should have been awesome, you know, and it's embarrassing and frustrating, but uh, it happens. But yeah, it is it, the way I always build is always kind of function first, and then and then you know it's not just a piece of art; it's not just something that he's stomping on like for sure. Not like it. Its primary goal is a function, and then try to make the function as cool as it possibly can be. So. Yeah, it's it's a ton of fun. I've been up, you know, obviously I've been on it quite a bit, and it's scary. Um, <laughs> there's, there, there's, <laughs> it's stable. It's not stable. That's that's kind of the cool thing about it. It's kind of violent. Um, I, you know, it's not going to like bug you off necessarily, but um, there's there's definitely an, an element of violence. And I've seen it from the front row, just like in sound checks and stuff like that. It, that's one of my favorite parts of the night, especially in a small club. Is, Watching everyone in the front, I think that they're about to get, you know, crushed by right. a thousand pounds. What's about to happen? <laughs> look out. <laughs> yeah, um, well, look out. Awesome, awesome. You know, it's funny, and uh, I'm glad you mentioned that. You know, you guys uh, are very hands-on and self-produce your music, um, especially how strong the last few records have been. I, I wonder if some of that isn't because just the longevity. You know, obviously, you, Mark, and Johnny have played together in some configuration for almost 15 years now. I think. Um, do you think that's part yeah. of it? And obviously, Ben has been in the last few years. I think, you know, a lot of younger bands or newer bands don't get the uh, latitude from their label to produce themselves they pair you with somebody they try to stick you with somebody to guide you but um you know what how do you think you got that trust 11 7 is a great label obviously but there's definitely a, a big step to have a label let a band like you guys produce yourselves yeah yeah you know i was real surprised honestly um i mean i think the only reason for this is the the two well so they signed us off the self-titled record uh, and that record was the self-production. We, you know, we, we funded it on Kickstarter. Um, and it, honestly, it was kind of going to be our sign-off to, to the music industry. So we just, not, you know, we've been a band for 
10 years up in Denver Brown. Just broke our whole life kind of thing. Um, and it's like, well, let's just do it one more time. Let's just put everything in there, you know, for an awesome long record, like a record we would want to listen to, you know, with some concept tracks and things like that. Um, and yeah, you know, we had, we had a decently sized fan base for a little regional band, but um, it, it's not enough to actually like sustain a career off of. But yeah, we launched the Kickstarter thing, raised 15 grand, um, spent about a year in production on it, and, you know, we released it on our own and just kind of did the regional touring thing and um, slowly it just kind of gained traction until everything blew up after we played this, uh, the Aftershock Festival in Sacramento in 2013. Um, and so that's kind of, I guess I guess we've kind of made a name for it. Like they didn't want to mess up that formula, you know. Little did they know was how slow we work. Um, but something happened too, like on the, the record, the stories we tell ourselves, like that was the first record that Ben, our new drummer, has ever, I'm sorry, that's the first record anybody other than Johnny's ever played the drums on, really. Or, or written, typically Johnny would write the records with us. Um, and whatever drummer we had at the time was just kind of a hired gun. And uh, so yeah, this record is like, well, we're really grooving with Ben. Let's just give him a shot, you know, even though we'd only known him for about six months. Um, and he was just, he fit perfectly in it. And it really allowed Johnny to separate himself from the drums. He just kind of separate himself one, one more step from the instruments and become more of a vocalist than the writing work. Um, specifically, you know, me, him, and Mark would write the music first and make a demo and then kind of sit around the kitchen table and listen to it and figure out what the mood of it was start writing lyrics and melody together. Um, this allowed us to do a lot more in real time, which sped up the process a lot. It ultimately made a made it, I think a way better album. Um, yeah, we're uh, you know we're super thankful it let us let us do that. It, the self production thing is cool because it allows us X amount of time to experiment, you know, and it really allows us to work on our own too. Um, with having, having Johnny's kind of our head producer, but Ben and Mark are also great producers. And when there's not one guy heading up the whole thing, really, um, Ben and Mark are allowed to kind of experiment on things on their own as well and take as long as they want to. Um, so you kind of end up with a more interesting idea than everybody being forced to sit in the room. And if, you know, if the producer's not feeling a song, then you're just kind of screwed. And, you know, if he thinks it's taking too long, you're kind of screwed. Or if you run out of money because <laughs> you're paying these astronomical studio fees, you're kind of screwed. Um, so, yeah, we, we take the self-production thing. I think we do in the future want to experiment with working with some other producers uh, off and on. But we'll see. We'll see what happens with this next record. Killer, man. That's that's. Uh, thank you for sharing. That's a, a great uh, deal of explanation there about the band and how you guys work. I appreciate that. Uh, I just have uh, a couple more quick ones for you. Uh, one thing that I really dig about you guys is you're not afraid to talk about kind of difficult topics. Um, you know, I don't have to tell you the world is in crazy chaos right now, and uh, you know, band dudes and regular people are suffering all the time, going through stuff, a lot of suicides and deaths like this summer. Um, and I appreciate that you guys have been able to kind of help shine a little light and de destigmatize mental illness a little bit. Um, 
I, I think it not only makes you guys more relatable, I think it's needed. I think we need more bands to do it. Uh, and so without making kind of an overly political thing, I just wanted to ask you to talk for a minute about that. Uh, you know, whether it's Johnny with lyrics or just in general, how you guys put across music videos and productions that sort of feel very inclusive and like, you know, comforting. Like, hey, it's gonna be okay, we understand. It's hard to put that message out there. It's vulnerable, you know? Yeah, no, totally. I mean, I, I don't know. We're, we've just, this band has been just kind of built on hope and faith. And uh, it, I think a lot of it did just kind of start. We all, me, Mark, and Johnny grew up in the church. Um, we're not really, we're definitely not a part of that community any longer. But there's always that side in the church, too. But also, like, when we started in 2005, like, which is, you know, obviously you guys are working this record really hard, but any thoughts about new music? Do you guys write at Soundcheck? Do you write on the road, or are you just saving it for a later date? Uh, you know, at this point, we all just kind of document our ideas. Um, just just the, the, 
initial spark. Um, our schedules are so split up individually throughout the day that uh, that magic to have the jam run, yeah, it's just really isn't possible to have on tour for us anyway. It's just it's not how we work. Sound checks are always too rushed, um, and I don't know. It, it's better to just save it, but let everyone kind of write their right lyric ideas, right riffs, um, and just kind of not expect everyone to wrap their head around, you know, sitting in the back lounge of the bus or something like that to try to crank out an idea. But, so yeah, there's the thoughts, but we'll, uh, we don't really know what it's going to be like until probably you know, next year when we uh, finally start jamming again. All right. Well, hey, Dan Oliver, nothing more. Thank you so much for your time. The stories we tell ourselves is out now on 11.7. I highly recommend everybody go get it and see you guys live, especially. Thank you so much, man. I appreciate your time. Yeah, thank you. Hey, thanks for all the support. I really appreciate it. Uh, me too, man. Thanks so much. Take care. Thanks for checking out today's podcast. Follow, like, and subscribe wherever you hear these podcasts. Also check out Ghost Cult Magazine on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. And finally check us out at ghostcultmag.com. We're out. Peace.